This content is suitable for curious and objective listeners and viewers only. User discretion is advised. You know, they say if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you go. Lack of awareness of like, hey, because I could you could blame outside circumstances or you can look internally like, okay, what can I have adjusted, you know? So today on the credentials, we have an illustrious, illustrious guest in the building. We have Tatiana Sierra, and she is a Tampa legend, right? Wow. I mean, a, Brooklyn, <laughs> a Brooklyn legend, a University of Central Florida legend, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers legend. Whoa, that's where we're going to stop, right there. Okay. okay. <laughs> New York Giants, hello. You're you're a super fan of the New York Giants, right? Super but, fan. But your journey included Jameis, <laughs> right? Listen, I don't I don't have anything to do with that yeah, with that team. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no affiliations. But I'm just saying they they had the pleasure of being a part of your journey. Okay, sure, right? we'll say it. Yeah, <laughs> they had a pleasure of being a part of your journey, and then we okay. have. Now a ESPN legend, uh, Tatiana Sierra. Thank you so much for joining the credentials. How are you feeling uh, the day before the NFL draft? And who do you think the Giants are going to take with the 11th pick? Hi, everybody. Um, thank you so much for having me. First of all, like I, like I told you before, I think you're doing an amazing job. And I'm just happy to be a part of your journey as well. Um, but let's see, draft talk. I really want us to go for Devonta Smith. I think that we need to go for a wide receiver. Um, Daniel Jones needs some weapons. Uh, I think that we kind of started going into that more like offensive strategy versus just like protecting the quarterback and having um, a strong O-line, which is something we struggled with. So I think we should definitely go all out, get a wide receiver. Um, Obviously, like Kyle Pitts would be a really good addition since we just no, yeah, for sure. Like, um, just some offensive weapons, someone who's um, versatile. So that's what I'm hoping for. Even even after they got Kenny Galladay, mm -hmm. they, I mean, they got Sterling Shepard, they got Slayton, they okay. got Ingram, they got Saquon, all thighs Barkley. <laughs> <laughs> sure Saquon carried the team on his back on, on his yeah. legs Barkley yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right you sure they don't need an offensive line offensive lineman you sure you you sure they need a receiver yes because I don't have faith in about 50% of the receivers that you just made <laughs> I'm like sitting here thinking I'm like I'm just shaking my head because I'm just like he doesn't perform. He's always injured. I really can't stand him. <laughs> like, literally just sitting here thinking, listen, it's a long season. Um, I just, I always hope as a Giants fan, our season is better than the last one. That's all I can honestly hope for. And sometimes that's a lot to ask for. So, <laughs> so we'll just see how it goes, but I'm excited. I'm closer to New York now that I'm in Connecticut with ESPN. So I'm looking forward to being able to go back into the stands. Sports can finally heal. The world can heal and we can just go back to doing what we love and seeing the players do what we love for them to do in person. Like that would be 
amazing to experience this year. What have you learned? Maybe a skill, maybe a habit, maybe something about yourself since this whole COVID-19 shutdown and, and pandemic time? Um, well, I will say that um, as far as like the, co- like the COVID pandemic happening in 2020, it's just a crazy time for me, especially because I moved right before it happened. So going into 2020, I already had the mindset of, okay, this is going to be a difficult year because I'm moving to a state where I know absolutely nobody, have never even stepped foot in this state until I moved there. Um, I'm starting a job that is essentially at my dream, my dream place. So there's the pressure of that. And then it's just also like, is my social life going to be what it is? And, you know, me personally, so you know that like my social life means a lot to me. So I'm like juggling all these different things and anxieties in my mind while getting here. And then boom, three months in COVID happens. And then boom, two weeks later, sports shut down. And it's like, how many people do you know that's going to be able to say, yeah, the first year I started working at ESPN is when sports decided to to disappear (laughs) and we had no sports. Like that is the craziest thing we've ever seen happen, honestly, when it comes to sports in our generation. So to actually, I actually feel like I was kind of a part of history in a sense too, because I'm just like, wow, like this is um, this is a part of, this is part of my life. Like, this is my life. This is when you realize how important it is to have other avenues of, um, of happiness. And that's, that was my biggest learning experience was just finding other um, avenues of happiness for me, because I had to dig deep. Um, there were a lot of lonely nights. There are a lot of times where I knew that when I got off work, I was going to be by myself again. Like I wasn't, having the type of social life I wanted to because of many different factors, COVID being one of them. And I really had to get comfortable with myself and really love myself and just figure out like what makes me happy other than just sports or having friends around. So. So let me ask you, cause that's, I think that's a, you can provide some great insight for someone like yourself who's, because there's a lot of people who are social and with COVID-19, they had to become, we were all forced to become unsocial in a way. So what avenues of happiness did you find to be effective for yourself as someone who's social, who's outgoing, who's bubbly Mm -hmm. personality, who likes being um, with tons of people and having great experiences? What avenues of happiness did you find to be effective? Well, I would say my biggest one was hiking like I and I do not condone hiking by yourself especially if you are in areas that you're not familiar with um, man or woman it's not necessarily uh, a great thing to practice so I don't condone that but I did do a lot of hiking by myself (laughs) Um, I'm a daredevil but um, so I did do a lot of hiking by myself and like I said like I didn't know any of these territories that I was um I was going towards so it was a lot of um it was fun it was kind of like you get that adrenaline rush like I have no idea what's around this corner I'm just going up this mountain but then when you get to the top of the mountain and you see the views 
and you're just there and you pull out a nice book, put on some good music, you literally feel complete. And that's, that's what completed me. And I did it multiple times throughout the quarantine, just did it last week. <laughs> it, it, it really does help for me. Awesome. So for those who don't have uh, mountains nearby. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nature, but I think what you're saying is nature. Nature. Mm-hmm. We're, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're animals as much as we like to think we're some unique, special thing. We're all animals mm-hmm. and we need sun. We need trees. We need, we need the grass. We need the water. And being one with nature, being, being, uh, being inside of nature and, and just taking, be, living in the present moment is yeah. the best way to overcome the stresses, the, the future, the past, you know what I'm saying? Just being in the present. So now to rewind, going back to your, your childhood, right? First of all, I want to start off like, who were your, your role models? Who were your, your key influencers? Was it your parents? Was it someone else? Um, describe your, your role models and your influences growing up. So my parents definitely, um, my mom, independent woman, my dad, independent dad, they raised me as single parents. So I got the luxury of seeing, which not, not many people would use single parents and luxury in the same sentence, but I've turned my crutch into what I feel like is a weapon at this point. Um, my father, I had the luxury of living with him for like maybe eight years as a single dad. So I saw his hustle. I saw his grind. Uh, I take a lot of like my work, my work ethic from him. Then I moved to Florida, lived with my mom for four years. And she raised me as a single mother for those four years. And with her, I saw her independence. I saw how she is going to get things done no matter what. I saw her also living her life to the fullest. And if anyone is ever in the same room as me and my mom, they're like, yeah, they're mother and daughter. They're literally the same person, just different generations. Um, so those were definitely my, my biggest um, influencers in my life growing up. And then as far as like career wise, I always looked up to Kimberly Jones, who was a reporter for the Yankees. and the Yankees and baseball became my first love and my first passion in sports. So naturally seeing a woman on television interview like Derek Jeter and Jorge Posada and like we're winning like the World Series and stuff. And I'm like, I'm like young girl and I'm living in New York and I'm loving it. And I knew like at those moments, I'm like, this is what I wanna do with my life. Like I wanna be in sports media. I wanna be there at the moments. Like I didn't want to, choose a career and hope that it makes me happy. I wanted to find my happiness and then pull a career from there. So I knew as like, yeah, you know, jumping some jets. I knew as a young girl that if I was gonna be happy in life, I had to be where my heart was. And that happened to be sports. What about what about the Yankees and baseball? Was it was it Kimberly Jones? Was it the championships? Was it both? What about it sparked your love for sports? So this is a funny story. 
When I was in sixth grade, I had a teacher, Miss Leahy, and I always name drop just because I hope that one day she's like watching something and she like sees me mention her. But um, when I was in sixth grade, I had a teacher named Miss Leahy and she was obsessed with the Yankees, like crazy, crazy sports lady. And you don't really find that like growing up that you see another woman that's like obsessed with sports. So I'm in sixth grade and she's telling us like, this was like the first week of school. She was like, yeah, for homework, you guys got to go home and watch this this playoff game the Yankees are playing tonight. So that's y'all homework, go home. And mind you, she was a hard teacher. Like she was very strict. There have been multiple times where I had to write essays because of behavior in class. Like they're both like, she's a strict teacher. But when you started talking to her about the Yankees, her, like she would light up inside. And that's the only thing that would really crack a smile on her face, honestly. So that night I went home, watched the game and they won on a walk-off hit. And I said, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> this is excitement, drama. And I'm like, and the next day I got to go into school and talk about it. And it's like, you don't ever get excited to talk about homework the next day. Like most of the time I'm hoping that she forgets and I'm mad at the kid who reminds her. So, <laughs> but this time we're like having a, class discussion about it and I'm like yo like I like talking about this like and then from there I became literally like obsessed with the Yankees and it was every single day going home watching baseball games I started playing softball like like you said like Alex Rodriguez like I said Alex Rodriguez Derek Jeter you had like um, superstars on the Yankees so it was easy to fall in love at that point okay so now you transition into high school, right? And high school, that's when you moved down to Florida? Yeah. So how was that transition from, how'd you handle that transition from New York, dad, to Florida, mom? Because it's, and you're in Tampa, right? Mm-hmm. So Tampa and New York, like, that's different vibes. How did you make the adjustment as as a youngin. Yeah, that was that was one of the biggest decisions I would say I ever made in my life. And I made it at the age of 13 going on 14. You chose to live with your mom. Yeah, I chose. Okay. Yeah, it was an option I decided. I said I know I only had four more years left until I moved out for college essentially. So I was like I want to spend these last four years with my mom in Florida. And I literally just dropped everything that I was doing kind of like not, I don't want to say like academically because, but we did know that Florida had a different school system than New York and there was going to be a change no matter what. So you do make that sacrifice educational wise at the end of the day. Um, And then also, like I said, like my dad had a really strong work ethic. So it's kind of like, I'm also taking away that number one pusher. That's like, no, you need to be doing this, reading a book. Um, Quick, really funny side story I'll share about my dad is that he's the reason why I won my fifth grade spelling bee because we literally were like, my dad would be like, take these words out, we're gonna practice. I'm like, all right, cool. I'm going to the final round. So I'm like, we're practicing. I wanted to go to bed so badly. And he was like, no, you have to spell one more word correctly and then you can go to bed. And the word was symmetry. 
I spelled it wrong. He was like, nope, spell it again. Spelled it correct. The very next day, my championship word that won me was symmetry. So it's literally, (laughs) it's so crazy. Like telling my dad, like that was one of the proudest moments I think he's ever had. Cause he, it was one of those things where you see your parenting, um, like you see the, the effects of it so quickly. So that's just an example for like, my dad was like my number one pusher and like, I get my work ethic from him. So making that transition to Florida where things were going to be a little bit more laid back. Um, it was hard cause I was just the jit, Tampa word jit. <laughs> I was just the jit and you know, like I'm also going through puberty and teenage and trying to find myself and now I'm stuck between trying to figure out okay well am I still the girl that I know from New York or am I now this girl this Florida girl like you just you just go through so many different emotions and it was a tough transition I will say and but I I don't regret any of like the fear that I had before going and then just still taking that leap because here I am now in Connecticut basically making that same step of um like leap of faith so it's it's the same kind of struggles it's crazy how life is a bunch of full circles right and mm-hmm. it's a bunch of confirmation not coincidence you know yeah. it was like confirmation like damn it was all worth it staying up those late nights because the word that you really wanted to skip ended up being the clincher And it's how at a young age, you had to make a choice. And that was honestly practice because as we know, as as adults, life is just a series of choices and Mm -hmm. a series of decisions and a series of analyzing the good and the bad, what the choices and making the best choice for you at the end of the day. You know, you have to make the best choice for you because it's going to affect someone it's going to hurt someone regardless of what you choose so Mm -hmm. you got to focus on you so I I appreciate you for sharing you know how life comes comes full circle so in high school was your mindset college I'm going to become a reporter like what was your your high school your priorities so oh my priorities in high school child (laughs) (laughs) They could have been better. I'll tell you that. (laughs) Perspective, I had none. I was just, I was just, all right, I'm here. I'm taking these classes. I'm playing basketball, but my mom is telling me I got to go to college. And I'm like, all right, I wasn't set on anything. (laughs) I think that college wasn't, so I knew that I had to pick a job where I, I had to be happy, right? But I knew that the job I wanted didn't necessarily require college. So that was kind of like um, my mindset going through was, okay, well, I know that I can be a successful, because at that time I wanted to be a journalist. I was working at the year for the yearbook. I was their sports editor, editor in chief. You know, I was laying, laying down my ground foundation. And I knew that there were reporters that had been to college and done their time. And then I knew that there were reporters who happened to, I don't know, be one of those lucky few that 
maybe know somebody that knows somebody and now this is where they are or they're a retired athlete and now they're a journalist or an analyst. So it wasn't like I was trying to be a doctor and I knew that I had to go through 12 years of school because I already knew I wasn't doing that. Like I was a very, I, I'm still stubborn. I was a very stubborn kid. I knew that I could not be a nine to five corporate girl. I, to, I always told myself that. I said, I know Tatiana and she's not gonna like that. <laughs> so I really did always wanna keep my, like keep at the forefront as far as my skills, networking learn to network in high school because if you do want to have other options then at that point it is about who you know i knew in the industry that i was trying to get into sports entertainment it is going to be i, I would say it's going to be 60 percent who you know 40 percent if you can back up what you know so you know like i i knew that having a good circle around me was important and I knew that networking was important and I knew that good grades were essential if I wanted to then make it into the bigger I guess pond that I wanted to be in damn I'm so glad you shared that you know to be a high achiever you need that self-awareness and that that networking is essential and the earlier you better i'm glad you shared that you know what i'm saying because that's the name of the game in in today's day and age you know long people don't really care what you bring to the table you know mm -hmm. uh, i was just having a conversation um with malik zaire he's like a former uf quarterback notre dame quarterback and he was like yo, there's so many talented rappers. You know, he was giving an example of so many talented rappers and how do you stand out? How do you make it, you know? And mm -hmm. I'm like, that could be, that's the same with every profession. There's so many talented writers, so many talented this, so many talented that. It's mm -hmm. now you need to know people in those positions that are those positions higher up or maybe even below that you want to be associated with and ingratiate yourself with them or get close with them and find a way to bring value to them. And then they will in turn potentially give you an opportunity to bring value to the situation that you want to. So I'm so glad you shared that networking has always yeah. been your, your um, one of your foundations, but also more importantly, I'm so glad you shared, you actually did the research and you researched what does it take to be in this position? You know, I think that's one thing I didn't do. And I, until it was like my third, fourth year in college, like I never really, I just went off assumptions and assumptions mm -hmm. is what gets you killed as, as they say. Mm -hmm. you know? And I was just assuming this and assuming that going through it and not working smarter and doing the research. So I'm so glad you shared doing the research and you talk about reading a lot. So what got you into reading and how, like, what age did you like read for fun or for? Wow. This is crazy because I don't think I've ever really talked about this, but I really had an extensive bookshelf. Like, in, like growing up, I had an extensive bookshelf. I was thinking about that randomly, like, uh, like a few weeks ago. 
and this is all credited to my dad again. I had, this is going to sound really, really spoiled, but I had my room and then I also had like a playroom slash like study room. So like I would have like my, my PlayStation 2 in there so I could like play games. But then right next to my PlayStation 2 was a bookshelf from ceiling to floor. And it was filled. It was filled. And I promise you, I probably read almost every single book on that shelf. Started from the little books like magazines. Magazines, definitely like flipping through those, seeing editorials. And I'm like, this is cool. Oh, I wish I could create this one day. Da, 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 just going through. And then you start to graduate to like the scholastic books that you always see like during the book fairs. And I always made sure I had money that day. I was like, dad, find it, scrape it up in your pockets. Cause there's some books on here that I want to get. Like I was that kid. Um, I didn't just want the color pencils <laughs> at the book fair, <laughs> but, um, and then also getting into like the twilight book series. Once I started reading twilight books and those books are like, fat you know that's when I knew that like I was like all right this reading thing isn't too bad because like if I could because <laughs> I read all the books and was really obsessed and became like goosebumps fanatic R.L. R.L. Stein then I started getting into poetry it just reading and learning different like um perspectives is really what grabbed my attention honestly Wow. See, like when you were trying to scrape up money for books, I'm just like, yo, free period. <laughs> free period. Uh, we don't got nothing. <laughs> <laughs> just vibe. I not yeah. a man book. I could care absolutely less what was popping. You know, you just I'm wanted to leave class. <laughs> reading was in my thing. I just, mm-hmm. I, and, I, and it is, it's it's unfortunate, you know, that a lot of people uh, that look like us, like we can give a damn about a book, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's where all the knowledge is hidden. That that's where all the the information, all the keys to breaking out of the struggle, breaking out of the cycles, breaking the cycles, all that is hidden in books. And I think in part, uh, I'm I'm always stressing, you know what books or, or podcasts because knowledge and information is everything. And I'm, I'm just grateful that we were born in the age of podcasts and YouTube because yeah. and, and audible, you know, um, that's how I get information from books. I, I listen to them. The reading, yeah. I'm still not into it. You know, I, I read my yeah. first book cover to cover um, like a month ago with uh, this guy I interviewed Malcolm Lemons and it was, about like branding and and technology mm-hmm. and, and social media for for modern athletes but what's the name of the book it was uh impact beyond the game impact beyond Sorry. the game mm-hmm. by uh malcolm lemons it's a it's a quick read like 200 pages mm-hmm. um, and is it's crazy like for me outwitting the devil by napoleon hill that was the first book i listened to I have that book. Yo, that. Yeah. (laughs) It's a good book. Yeah. Like it really made me, it helped gave me conscious, like helped me Mm -hmm. self-awareness. Like you had the blessing of self-awareness at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's, that's Mm -hmm. awesome. 
And I'm glad you're sharing that because there's a lot of people that aren't self-aware and um, aren't able to really understand who they are and what makes them happy and what Mm -hmm. makes them uh, feel fulfilled. And I'm glad you're sharing like, yo, start early. (laughs) Start as early as you can. You know what I'm saying? And, And like you said, find find a way to make income and support yourself through what makes you happy. Scrape That's it the out. Goal. Scrape it out of there. So yeah. after you kept reading all these books, you're super smart in high school, you're playing softball. Like, why did you go to college instead of seeing if you could go into, um, you know, an agency or uh, yeah. Tampa Times or something like that? Well... It was honestly Bright Futures that really was like the game changer because here they were telling you like, hey, you're smart. You got the grades for it. So we're going to put you through college, you know, not for free, but we'll pay 75% of it. So, (laughs) yeah. So I was like, I mean, as soon as you get Bright Futures, it's like you feel accomplished and you're like, all right, cool. Let's, let's see what happens. I don't think I really like... Like, I think because also it was just so, it, that was like the norm. It was like, you go to, you go to high school, you get good grades, you study your ass off for the ACT and the SAT, and you go to the school that has the best credentials. And um, I do, because I wanted to do journalism, I was like, yeah, let me apply to Syracuse. <laughs> let me apply to Syracuse. I don't know why I did that. Waste of $75. So, <laughs> um, but UCF was my second option. And then I applied there and I got in and I was like, all right, well, Orlando was two hours away from Tampa, which I always said it was close enough that I can get to my mom in an emergency but far enough that she can't just pop up on me. So I was like, this is perfect. (laughs) And it just, you know, like I went on a tour and I was like, this seems, this seems like this could be fun. I know it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's no hard work I haven't done already. Um, I was already taking like AP classes kind of thing. Like I took AP statistics in high school, which was great for like my credits, but that was a terrible class to take in high school. Like it was hard. (laughs) So um, I had already been prepping myself for that step. So that way, when it came to decision time, there was, it was kind of no brainer at that point. Okay. So, and like you said, I mean, even, even now that's still the, the formula, you know, go to high school and, and then go to college and, it's not good or bad. It's just what it is. Um, so you're a communications major, right? So describe what was your thought process behind communications major and how did you, how did you plan to use that to get to your end goal? So my major changed three times. (laughs) Um, at first I went into UCF knowing that okay so here's the thing that they don't tell you about college is that they didn't change the rules and you're basically screwed you're basically screwed if the rules don't work out in your favor so freshman year they told us you have to have xyz courses prerequisites in order to be a radio tv journalism major 
right? So that's where I wanted to be. So I'm doing this, yada, 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 taking these classes. And then when I'm ready to apply, they go, oh, haha, as of last semester, we just changed it. The courses you needed to take, you actually have to take a few other ones. And this is, and we've separated the majors. So now there's different classes for different majors that are irrelevant in some of, in like this major, but it was just, it was just a complicated situation. And I basically was kind of screwed at that point because my GPA requirement was there to be in radio TV, but it wasn't there to be in journalism because they had separated the major. So it was like, I had to choose then, do I want to take extra classes and then go the journalism route and get my GPA up? Or do I maybe take one other different class that I didn't think I was gonna have to take and then go the radio TV route? So I chose to do the radio TV route. Taking the radio TV route, taking those classes, they go, hey, um, we know you've been doing all this, but if you wanna graduate on time and graduate with this major, then you're gonna have to take these math classes. <laughs> and as terrible as it sounds, I grew to hate math and I did not want to end up in the math mall like every single student at UCF that hated their life. <laughs> so I said, what are my other options? Like I said, I need more options, let me figure it out. They said, well, you can do IDS, which is interdisciplinary studies and keep your radio TV courses take some communication courses, and then also take sports business and you'll graduate um, a semester behind. So I said, hmm, sports business, I guess that would be really helpful if I wanna be in sports and entertainment. And I said, communication classes, I guess that would be really helpful if I wanna communicate with people. And I already had the radio television courses. So I was like, all right, sign me up. So what I did at that point was I started taking the minor, um, which changed my life completely for like the better. And then I also started taking communication courses, which just broadened my like general knowledge about how humans interact with each other and just like awareness and, you know, important stuff that you wouldn't necessarily think that you would need to know, but I know that there vital for my toolkit so my my major changed like three different times but I think that at the end of the day I was exactly where I needed to be and I learned everything that I needed to be where I'm at now so how did the sports business minor change your life so the sports business minor is I would I would argue harder than a lot of majors that UCF has to offer because of how intense the professors are and how intense the courses are. They're three hour courses, like if you get lucky, three times a week. So literally like, and these are, you know, the ones that end at like 9 p.m. So you already know how those days are like, and um, you would do that for about two semesters straight. And with the professors, Professor Buckstein and Doc, they really pushed us as if we were at our first corporate job, honestly. Like they made us um, volunteer 
So I started volunteering with a lot of different sports camps, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers being one of them. Um, I, I volunteered with them two years in a row for their like kids sports, um, sports camp. So that was amazing. I would build internships based off of my minor. They would send out emails probably like every two weeks of different internship opportunities, different volunteer opportunities. And because I took that leap and said, this is an internship that I feel like I can quali I'm qualified for and I can do, I took that step and I applied for an internship because I was in the minor and had a relationship with the professor that was positive, not just me showing up to class and not contributing, me actually showing an effort, showing an interest saying like, hey, I, I'm a game changer in this class. So having a good repertoire with the professor, he pushed my resume to the right hands at Orlando City and I got my first internship once I knocked out the interview. So it's in from my first internship, that's when other doors started flying open, you know? And this is, these are the things that I would have never had, that would have never happened to me had I stuck with that journalism major that I thought I was doing three years prior. So because I had a shortcoming at the time, it ended up being something that changed my life for the better. It, it's really crazy. Like <laughs> it really is, honestly. And, so. and that's uh, also a testament to your intentionality. You know what I'm saying? You were very intentional on, I have a goal and I want to accomplish it. And you did a life hack, which is very crucial to success if you're going to go to college, you have to become cool with the professor in a real way. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, because they are the plugs to the opportunities that you want, especially if you're in a entertainment service um, profession. They are the ones that are going to plug you into those internships. That's how I got all the things I got uh, while I was at UF and FSU was my professors it was mm -hmm. through our relationship and like you said it wasn't just hey I'm just um I'm just here and I'm getting good grades it's like nah you gotta raise your hand and say something yeah you, you yeah. gotta you gotta add on to the points and sometimes you know dispute the points yeah you gotta be a real person and and mm -hmm. try to bring value because in college you just getting a degree just is it's irrelevant so what yeah do you see the people behind you you see people in front of you they all, they're all getting the same degree yeah exactly but exactly. if you're cool with the professor if you're cool with the coordinators now it's like i got the degree and i'm gonna like you said i'm gonna get pushed up front of the line mm -hmm. you know i'm gonna get and also your college story, I'm so glad you're sharing, is just a testament of life. It's like life, you think it's this way, it's this way, it's gonna happen like this, and then you get punched in the face. Yeah, your car gets off road. So yeah. it's like, what are you gonna do? Are you gonna woe is me, my car is broken, or I got punched in the face, like I'm gonna go home, or the life is over, or are you going to be like, oh, you know what? 
maybe I should have got the directions a little bit earlier. Or mm-hmm. you know what? Okay, my 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 car's off road. Let me call AAA, and mm-hmm. let me get more options. Or you know, let me use my resources and get more options and see how I can turn this situation from a negative to a positive. So I appreciate you uh, you sharing that. Yeah. So from college, you get your first mm-hmm. opportunity with Orlando City Soccer, right? What was your roles and your responsibilities, and and what was the interview like? So I applied for the social media intern position and I knew that my, um, that my responsibilities were going to be just practicing like copy for different platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat. Um, So copy is going to be like the text. So like the text you see that um, will be tweeted out or the captions for a picture simple like simple as that so I knew that I would have to be clever um I was going to have to be creative I knew that it was going to be you know long hours as well because you know they most internships are unpaid which some people feel like I work too hard I need to be paid and let's have a caveat sports and entertainment internships majority unpaid yes a hundred percent because I've seen my engineer friends, my medical friends, they, they're getting paid. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> right. So sports and entertainment, let's put a caveat. Yes, you yes. You are for the double goose. <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, before that, I was doing a communications internship that also was unpaid too. So I would say like sports, entertainment, and journalism for sure are yeah. like unpaid ones. And, um, but yeah, so I knew that I was going to have a lot of responsibilities as far as just like assisting the social media manager and, um, with the interview process was, it was kind of like, um, like he would go back and forth. He would send me different pictures and say, Hey, in 144 characters, give me your best caption for this picture. Or, um, can you potentially like Photoshop because Photoshop um, kind of after effects, I would say. And then some Premiere Pro are all Adobe softwares that like I had to get really comfortable with. So um, I already knew that was going to be part of the plan as well. So yeah, so when I went through my interview process, I was already comfortable with those. And then I was able to, like I said, to tap into my creativity um, which was like the key part of your success as a social media manager, as a content creator, is your creativity. So with those two things looking pretty well, they decided to take the chance on me. And I, I think it, I felt like it was a def, like a mutual success, honestly. So what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? Um, I would say that I love, I love being in the moment of sports. Like when I was a social media manager, my job would literally be literally, literally to be go through the crowds of all the drunk people who are screaming, yelling. I don't know if you've been to Orlando city soccer game. Have you? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. So these soccer games are nuts, by the way. 
I fell in love with soccer once I left this internship as well. Like I had already liked FIFA, but this really like pushed my love for soccer. Going through crowds of screaming drunk fans, some are angry when they're happy. You can't even tell the difference, honestly, everybody's screaming. And my job was to capture the best moments I could find. And did they give me a phone that said, hey, just in case it's raining outside, here's our phone. No, I use my own iPhone 6S, okay? <laughs> and, you know, like, I was lucky enough to get a hoodie when it rained, okay, basically. And um, so, like, learning, learning how to capture the best moments and also wanting to live in that moment as well. Like, hey, like, I have like I'll turn my back to the pitch while I'm capturing some fans going crazy. But then I also remember like, yeah, like turn around and look at what's going on. Like you're in this moment with them right now. Like you are gonna tweet out these pictures later and you're gonna capture this goal that when people see it on their timeline, they're gonna feel something. Cause they're gonna realize like, yeah, I was there or I'm just happy to witness it. You know, like you're, you're, being a part of someone's experience. And that's when I realized like, I love this experience. I love being here. Like I love this atmosphere, this environment. When it was game day, I told like every single morning I had a smile on my face. There was not a time where I woke up and I was like, it's game day. No, I love this so much. I would get on Snapchat and be like, it's game day. And then people would be like, girl, we don't care. And I'm like, I care, it's game day, I'm so excited. And, you know, like I said before, doing something that I'm passionate about and that I love was most important to me. So it kind of just solidified, like, all right, this is where I know that I want to be for real, for real. So. Live in the moment. That's real. Mm -hmm. we, get yeah. so, we get so caught up, you know, in, in, in the rat race, I like to call it. And sometimes we forget to live in the moment. Sometimes we forget, like, you asked to be at this college. You asked to be at this high school. You asked to be playing in this game. You asked to be working this job. You asked, you know what I'm saying? Now you got it. So so embrace it and live in it and, and appreciate it. That's so real. I think I, I, I live in the moment too much sometimes. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really like to capture anything because I'm like, I'm here. I'm fully <laughs> present. Yeah. <laughs> and, and sometimes, you know, uh, what I want to do in, in being someone who wants to be of service Sometimes you gotta, oh yeah, yeah, I was there, I was doing it. Um, but living in the moment is, is a big key of life, you know, being present. So from Orlando- Real quick, yeah. real quick, one thing I did wanna also mention that was a good takeaway for me, which was um, really important hindsight, was that I had to realize that my experience at one place isn't the same as everybody else's. I wasn't the only intern and I will say like, you know, like other people who had part-time jobs there, their situation, like I would hear them complain about it and say, yeah, like, I don't really like how this is going for me here, blah, 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 this, this, that. And there was a lot of negativity kind of going towards like this internship, I will be honest. And I really had to look at like, look at it and say, okay, well, that was your experience. I'm a different person. So I'm still going to do what I know is right because we could have different outcomes. And sure enough, 
I had a different path and different outcome than all the other interns there. And it's like, um, you know, like if I would have went into it, just thinking like listening to everybody else's views and saying like, oh yeah, this place is going to suck. Like, I'm not going to enjoy this. Then I probably wouldn't have then became a broadcast intern for them and then got hired part-time to do broadcast for them. And then I had broadcast on my shoulders professionally. I don't know if any of that would have happened if I would have just listened to the negative thoughts of, you know, someone else's experience. So that kind of plays into that, that saying, right? Comparison is the thief of joy. Oh, it sure is. You know, and, and Mm -hmm. you're running your race going back to the choices. It's like, you, you're running your race. So you have to make the choices what's best for you and mm-hmm. realize that not everyone has the self-awareness or, or the, are doing mm-hmm. it for the reasons that they think they're doing it for. Not everyone's really aware of why they do stuff. You know, a lot of people just yeah. try things out and are just, Hey, I might like this. I might not. So comparison is a thief of joy. So talk about, uh, before we go to UCF corporate partnerships, talk about your broadcast experience and talk about what that was like and what that entails. Yeah, so when I was working as their social media intern, I was approached by their broadcasting director and he was like, hey, like I see you've been doing some work here, like just having normal conversation. How how do you like working here so far? And I told him like, yeah, I did have some interest in broadcast. And he was like, well, if you ever wanna just come shadow for a game or two, if it's okay with your schedule, okay with your manager, then we can make it happen. So I was like, great, perfect. So I started doing that. At one point I was a social media intern and broadcast intern, which meant that I was working every game home and away. And once again, like I was okay with making that sacrifice because my work, work ethic was so strong. So once I started, once the season ended, my internship ended and it was a decision for them whether or not they wanted to bring me on next season as part-time and actually pay me. So they decided that that's what they wanted to do. And I was thrilled and it was just a part-time job, but it was fine, better than serving tables, which I was still doing by the way. Um, So I would go there part-time and I would say like, I mean, the pay was pretty good, you know, for some doing something that I loved. And my responsibility was literally to sit front row on the field with the MLS official, with the game official. And I was the eyes and ears for the producers for the broadcast networks. So if we had a game with ESPN, I would talk to the producers on the headset and I would let them know about different injuries, substitutions, let them know what's going on in the game, what's going on on the sidelines. Is the coach flipping out? They'll be like, I'll be like, hey, the coach over here on the purple bench is flipping out. They'll turn the camera for the broadcast on ESPN to show the coach flipping out. Teamwork. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Sorry, my phone. Um, So yeah, so um, when I was working as a spotter, that's what the position was called, spotter, red hat for them. I loved it because I was there, like I said, all the action, like I I could damn near feel the players sweats dripping on me when they were getting off the field. Like it was, I've seen and witnessed some amazing games 
first row. Like I've seen um, MLS players break records before, like crazy. Like I've seen, I've been up and close with US women's soccer team legends like Alex Morgan and Ashlyn Harris, literally like shoulder to shoulder and stuff like that. So, you know, those experiences, honestly, I would have did it for free. But the fact that I was getting paid to do it because I was already doing it for free and showing my um, showing my, my heart and my passion, it was rewarding either way. I'm, I'm so glad you, you shared, you know, how you well, like, was there an interview process for the for the part time job? Honestly, or there wasn't much because they already knew me. So it, it really wasn't much. It was just a yes or no question <laughs> so I like that so that's that's a gym in terms of sometimes you just gotta get in get in however you can and then mm -hmm. you showed your value you showed your heart you showed your passion and then they rewarded you with the technology now like ignorance is is not bliss it's unfortunate now yeah you yeah know? it's being spoon-fed to you now at this point like <laughs> But one thing is, it's not though. It all depends on your lens, you know, going back to perspective. It all, like, my social media feed and your social media feed is three, two different worlds. Yeah, more than likely. What my 12 year old cousin's looking at, two different worlds. Yeah, you're right. You know, you're right. And not everyone filters out their, their perspective. And just off of what you follow, then your whole explore page is completely different completely different mm. worlds, you know, depending on the industry and the careers. So it, it's, you really just got to be intentional. I always think like, and, and you need people above you, below you to encourage you to, to challenge yourself, you know, to, to think, mm. to think bigger, think broader, or yeah. just become aware, just become aware. It's not even about thinking, thinking bigger, thinking broader, just becoming mm. more aware of what's going on. So I could have, made better relationships you know um mm -hmm. at different companies to secure my spot and or I could have had I don't know whatever the case may be so it's mm -hmm. like I created this as a platform to share experiences journeys and stories of people in different professions and and different careers and especially in sports entertainment that's what we're gravitated to you know, mm -hmm. but I like showing, I want to show more people like you who mm -hmm. are in sports and entertainment, but not the role that everyone is, that we are so focused on, you know, being the mm -hmm. sport or being the entertainment. You know, I like showing that, hey, we could be in a whole bunch of different roles and then mm -hmm. the key is getting in. And then if yeah. you really want to pursue that role, you know, start from here or did you know you can start from here did you know you, you don't have to just go straight to these the, are your options yeah yeah these are your mm -hmm. options and then this is the strategy behind these options because even getting to your role it's the same fight the same struggle as getting to the top role you know like your job there isn't 10 of you there's like one to three of you mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying so yeah, this is very true it needs to be a different approach um, or, or not even that here are their approaches and this is how it played out. You yeah. Know? Not necessarily because everyone, there's no one cookie cutter way to do anything. It's yeah. At all. Everyone's path is different. 
yeah, I just want to spread different routes you can take and different um, scenarios or different perspectives that you should be aware of. I didn't really understand until now that, yo, I didn't really get it not until now that mm-hmm. I'm trying to be in a service-based business mm-hmm. and I'm not sharing my services or where I've been and what I've done. And in today's day and age, that's that's a detriment to what you're trying to do because everyone wants to see it. Um, yeah, you're right. You know, you're everyone. Right. It's, if you're in a service-based business, everyone wants to see what you're doing, why you're doing it, who you're doing it with. More importantly, who you're doing it with. You know what I'm saying? And I remember I was having a conversation with a couple of people and they're like, yo, you're doing this, you're doing that. Um, but to me, I'm just thinking like, Yo, like everyone's talking about it, but it's like that's in that circle. Not it's not. I'm not sharing it, so who knows if it's true or not? That could just be. Mm-hmm. He says, she said. So yeah, no, for sure. So yeah, it's just um, all those things have rolled into one, and and this is how we're here. <laughs> the game has changed. On you, you can't be thinking, yo, my son, my daughter has to go to college, like. Mm-hmm it's a bonus. It's a luxury. It's not a necessity, you know? And Mm -hmm. more, the more conversations, um, like that need to be had because also too, like student loans is a real thing. Oh my gosh. And, and especially like Mm -hmm. when you're a youngin, like in your parents, like my mom told me, like, I can't pay for your school. So yeah. But it's like, I got accepted and then you're getting financial aid and it's just a check that's coming in your account. So, and we're not taught financial literacy. So it's like, I didn't, I wasn't grasping. I'm just going. Those um, checks went straight to bundles, straight to alcohol. Like. Yeah, see, my checks took my rent. Mine yeah. always just, rent. that was just my rent money, you know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize, cause I had Bright Futures. Um, do you have Bright Futures? Yeah. I had it for like a year and then, you know, (laughs) after freshman year, they took that shit away. I was like, you know what? I don't even blame y'all. Honestly, I was doing terrible. Really? Okay. (laughs) I was doing bad. So when we begin, we got to, we got to dive into that because that's, that's that's real though, but that's real, Mm -hmm. you know, because we all have our certain demons, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. Um, especially like, now we going even deeper, like us, especially like we have shit, we got to fight, you know what I'm saying? Trauma and fucking real mm-hmm. life situations that we get on fight on top of college and, yeah. and, and staying active. And then it's like you go into a school and then how do you become a big fish in a big pond? I want to backtrack because we were talking uh, before this and you mentioned how you lost your bright futures and... Mm-hmm you are going through challenges. So I would love for you to explain how, how you handled that adversity and then what was your steps to bringing it all together and getting yourself back on the right track? So Bright Futures, complicated story, right? So <laughs> um, I ended up losing it after my freshman year of college because I think I got like two C's in a class, like something very simple that you think would you be able to skate by um, is what cost me 
75% of my tuition being paid for, for the next three years of college. So that's crazy. My, yeah. So my parents were pretty upset about that. And, <laughs> and I remember like, I remember being really upset over it, but I did try not to let it like, I knew it wasn't the end of the world because they were all like, well, we have these financial aid packages that we're throwing in your face. And, you know, like you said, like no one teaches us financial literacy. So because financial aid sounds like help, but right. It, it oh, sounds God. like help. <laughs> you owe me, Jit. <laughs> That's what exactly. It's, <laughs> it's like, thank you. We're taking that back yeah. as soon as you plus, graduate. Plus some. <laughs> plus, plus. And it's like you, I mean, I was really bad at even checking to see like what my, my amounts were equaling up to after each year. I'm not thinking about like, oh, let me see if I can budget my student loans because also I realized that I didn't even qualify for the free financial aid. It was literally like, oh yeah, we're, we're giving you a loan. So we need all that back. So you don't really get any free money actually, unless we throw in a $600 grant that'll cover your textbooks. So I was basically signing myself up to put myself in a hole credit wise as soon as I graduated. But once again, like when you don't come from a family that's able to say, hey, we're going to pay for you to go to school, then you really have to make that decision of saying like, okay, well, do I drop out or do I just take out these loans and worry about it later? Most college students are going to take that work now, pay later type of thing. So I was in that boat, just taking out student loans and using it to pay for textbooks, using it to pay for tuition, using it to pay for, like you said, room and board. Um, Like my freshman year and my sophomore year, well, freshman year when I was living on campus, all that got paid through through, um, Bright Futures and through student loans, you know? living in Orion the three years after that, then it was me working my ass off and student loans, you know? So you really do have to, you do face that struggle of like financially, what am I going to do now? Yeah, so um, I'm glad you shared that story because that's a story of so many people. Like that's, that's my story. I had, I was lucky enough to keep Bright Futures all four years uh, you were smart enough and responsible enough uh I really wasn't responsible enough I was just extra smart to be honest with you um yeah because like you said also you know for me that college period I lost myself for a little while and Mm -hmm. um like I said I was just smart enough to where it didn't really affect me like that um but it affected me a lot in other ways and it's important that I'm glad you just shared of like, yo, how serious it is even to keep scholarships sometimes. Like just getting the scholarship is one thing, is keeping it is a whole nother thing. And there was no like way you could earn it back or is it just like, yo, once you lost it, you can't get it back. Yeah, it was kind of like once you lost it, you can't get it back. And then I remember also- That is. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of like, all right, a one and done situation. 
Um, and I was embarrassed. Like, I honestly was embarrassed, you know, like some, like some of my friends still had their bright futures and, you know, like I was, people were looking at you like, damn, you were doing that bad. I'm like, no, bro, I got two C's. Like, (laughs) crazy. Yeah. Uh, so, and then, like I said, the disappointment from your parents and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, it's just, okay, how am I going to now keep up with the rest? Mm-hmm. Because now you're facing another obstacle that maybe somebody else in the classroom right next to you isn't facing out. So, but you still have to, you still have to play the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And did you use like, a like, did you use uh like, a, was there like a book or like someone talking to you that kind of also helped aid it? Or was it just you like, I got to lock in now. Like this was like a wake up call to like, I need to lock in and focus. Well, I was into, like, I still am like into like self, self kind of help books, um, books that help you like think positively about your future or just make you become more conscious. Um, Sophomore year, I did start reading Outwitting the Devil by Napoleon that was really, that was a really good life-changing book. It helped me really think about the world from a different perspective. And that, that's really the purpose of the book. <laughs> yeah. 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 Makes you really Thanks. think like, yo, damn, this makes a lot yeah. of sense. And it, it, it forces you to start the process of unlearning and relearning. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. Know, it makes you reevaluate everything. I'm so... I'm pissed that I really read that book two years ago. I wish I would have read that book nine years ago, mm-hmm. you know, or listened to that book nine years ago, because like I said, like that book mindset, flip. Yeah. you know what I'm saying? It was a mindset flip. So I- I'm glad for you, Shane. And also this is, I like to have updated conversations of college. And now we also got to realize like in 2021, that, that, financial aid which is that financial loan there's ways you can use that money to actually help you like i've heard someone use their financial aid to buy a property oh yeah buy a house and now you can rent out let's say you buy a four-bedroom house in a college town you can rent out each room for seven eight hundred dollars um for rent and then now you got your rent paid but also now you can pay back down on your financial aid or with your financial aid money you can take it and figure out some products or figure out a service or Mm -hmm. products or services it could be both that you're interested in now you have some startup capital which is the number Mm -hmm. one thing we all lacked and now you can invest in yourself and but I wasn't even thinking like that. We weren't even there yet. We yeah. weren't even there yet. It wasn't like social media was out there like yeah. really, uh, advocating or promoting or bringing that to our, our perspectives. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it, it really, and, and you also got to think about it too, right? We're going to college for sports and entertainment. And we didn't even realize that to start out, we got to work for free for a couple of years. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I'm taking out student loans or I got loans and I'm going to go work for free. I came like, we. that's why we had to, for me, I was working a 40 hour a week internship, five days a week. And then I work on the weekends 
eight hours a day just so I have money for food, <laughs> just yeah. so I have to buy groceries for the week. You know what I'm saying? And, and just, uh, um, it, it's a real, and it's like, for me, I, I think back and I always think about it, especially I'm, I want to be in sports entertainment. I think like, yo, maybe I should have just worked a job for those three, four years and, and, or just go straight to the company because it's sports entertainment, just go straight to the company. Like what you did Orlando city soccer. And then my work ethic, my passion, my hustle, I'm going to get promoted that way. And I don't, mm-hmm. and cause the degree is worthless, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's just, I like you sharing that. And I always like to interject and I always like, I got, I got two degrees and I feel like it don't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they don't mean anything. So I always yeah. like to have that, that conversation of like, is college is not what it is. It's what you make it. And it is what you make it. Yeah. And you really gotta, if you're going to go to college, if, like if you got a free scholarship, go. Like if you got a full ride, go, go, go. But if you don't have that full ride scholarship, you really need to be intentional about your college experience. You really need to think about why am I going here and what is the purpose? And like you did, do the research of like, does my, does my future career even need college? You know, what are the requirements for my future career really? Because now like back in my day, like we didn't, Google wasn't even popping like that. I always say, we yeah, had, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I had to do science right. projects and I had to ask Jeeves, a butler. I had to ask a butler mm-hmm. about science. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't asking alphabet now, right? You got the violin, we got the, the, the journey. And <laughs> how do we get from broadcasting with Orlando City Soccer as a spotter, doing games on ESPN radio? And how do we get to UCF corporate partnerships? So UCF Corp Partnerships, okay, so I also was working part-time doing hospitality for UCF football. So with that, which was also an opportunity that I got from the sports business minor, was one of, one of those little emails they would send out. And I don't know if it was just good timing of everything I was applying for, or if nobody else was applying for them, but <laughs> because honestly, they will tell us, they're like, we send hundreds of opportunities out and only 20% of y'all are going to take it. And we know that. And they told us, that, told us that day one to our faces. So it's like, at the end of the day, when you leave this program, you can't look at us and say, oh, you never did anything for us. And going back to what you were talking about is your relationship with your professor. You also have to have a professor that cares because I've ran into some professors who do not give a rat's S-H-I-T what you do when you leave that classroom. And my biggest blessing in college is that I kept having professors who cared, who actually like cared about what they taught, cared about who their message was going to and what that person was doing with their message. So having a professor that was sending out all these different opportunities, I felt like, I mean, I would feel like everybody should be jumping on this stuff, but I I don't know. I kind of felt like at some point, maybe I was the only one doing it. So with this hospitality gig, it was just, you know, a regular minimum wage job. 
um, working UCF football games. And I would either have to be in charge of like ticketing or I would do more of like managing or overlooking the premium areas, which is where I happen to be. So for two years straight, I did that. Sacrificing my tailgates. I know you did not see me at a single tailgate after <laughs> after sophomore year. It was over for me. <laughs> so and that's the truth. I I literally like gave up junior and senior year tailgates um, to work UCF football every Saturday when there was a home game. And what that was for me, we would have like eight home games, seven to eight. That's seven to eight different checks that I was not going to get if I was doing some, like if I was going to tailgates, you know? So I took it. It wasn't the most glamorous thing. We wore like these ugly polos that were like gray, like, <laughs> and it's hot and you're dealing with fans. And, you know, uh, the first season was when we started to turn things around. So the attitude was a lot better, but um in that process of me working part-time and greeting people and just always having that smile on my face wherever I was at, I've met the corporate partnerships director. And, you know, he he was a, he was a black man. So of course, like, you know, that unwritten kind of just like, hey, what's up? Like, you know, so um, so I every time I would see him big smile on my face. I remember he was there when I had to deal with the confrontation with a, with, um, a customer. So he saw how I handled that. And I think it had like a positive effect on him. So when it's time to apply for this corporate partner, no, there was another position that came available. I can't remember exactly what it was. I think it was in hospitality, but when I was reaching out for that, they said, hey, there's also this that's available. You might want to check that out. So I was like, okay, cool. So I checked that out and full circle, obviously like I had to interview with this same guy who I've just seen on game days, very little interaction. And, you know, he told me that was one of the main reasons why they hired me was because they had already seen how I was carrying myself prior to me even applying for the position that when it came down to it, it was like, okay, well, what can we teach her at this point? Because we, I had no background in corporate partnerships and sponsorships. I knew marketing because I did social media, you know, um, I knew relationships because I was doing hospitality. So they were like, we can work with that and we'll teach you everything else you need to know. So sure enough, I learned all the ins and outs of corporate partnerships and sports business, which I already kind of, I had a background in, you talk know? About, talk about corporate partnerships because I didn't know about that until I went to Florida State and uh, for grad school. And like you, like we just know sports from like entertainment, production, mm -hmm. but that's behind the scenes and where the bread is and where the marketing and- <sighs> Talk it's a whole different world it's a, it's a, it's like crazy the behind the scenes stuff that you don't really know about unless like it pops up on like your news feed type of thing like stadium deals and most of the time you just overlook it or you'll say 
oh, I hate the name of that stadium. Why'd they change it to that? And then you just scroll on to the next thing. You have no idea the hard work, <laughs> the hard work that was put into the years of preparation. That, that deal right there is a $1.75 million deal for 10 years. Of course, they're going to name it Smoothie King. Like, who cares about if you, if you like it or not? Like, that's what, that's when you really learn, like, what drives the sports industry. And it's the money and the people who have the money. And with that being my first corporate job, it was like a shock because not only am I learning so much about an industry that I thought I knew a lot about, um, but I'm also learning how, this is my first corporate job. I'm learning how to get my butt up at 6.30 in the morning every single day and make it on time to work. I'm learning how to push through those days and just, all right, you have your hour break, get back and get back to work. Like you're learning the corporate etiquette, you know, different, it's, it's just, especially being a black woman and working in sports, corporate etiquette is like, it's, it's a lot. It is a lot to deal with, honestly. Um, but specifically for corporate partnerships, like I learned a lot about the planning process of, approaching a deal. I had to assist, uh, I was a, the coordinator. So I had to assist our sales managers and our activation manager. So not only was I helping build packages for our sales, um, for our sale representatives to say, all right, we got this laid out for you. All those pretty photoshops where you see fake people eating at these, who do you think put that together on Photoshop? Me, <laughs> you know, like all those, pretty designs that they're presenting to their customer with their customer's logo all over the field, um, on the video boards, on the jumbotron, going through the fascia. I learned all these different terms. I'm like, I know what this is now. Um, basketball court logos. You learn how to create those stuff and then you learn how to sell it. And then you also learn how to put a price point on it. Now I'm just learning like, just the ins and out of business. Like, okay, they're I'm learning negotiations. I'm seeing our sales representatives do it firsthand and I'm involved and they're coming to me saying, change the price, put it down by $200,000, but then up their tickets by like $2,000. You know, it's a game. And um, I would say like, I learned about a lot of stuff that I never thought I would have an interest in. And now when I go to sports games, I'm sitting there like, looking at all these different sponsors and logos, trying to calculate in my mind how much they're spending for this team and how much they're probably giving them per season, you know? Mm -hmm. Stuff that I probably wouldn't talk about or ever bring up on a first date. And now I'm bringing it up and they're looking at me like, this girl. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you shared because like for us, like that's an unknown realm, you know, of mm -hmm. business. Because when I was... When I was at FSU and I was working in corporate partnerships, there was only one of me that looked like me. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you know what yeah. I'm saying? And um, as far as like in that, in that department, you know, there's people in sports marketing that look like us. Mm -hmm. In, in football. Role, yeah, in the <laughs> corporate role and the in the with like you said, the deal making, we're not, we're not in there. We we don't even yeah. know about it. And I'm so glad you shared that story because it shows like 
even if you're in a situation that you don't like, when you make the most of that situation, you never know what could happen because yeah. it's literally you through being the person that you are and having the passion that you had, someone else noticed that and you got a job off of that. No experience. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? You weren't the best candidate if, if we're being technical, you know, mm-hmm. but you had the relationship or not even that, you made the impression on that person and that's all it yeah. took. You didn't even have a relationship. You just made yeah. an impression on the person. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's literally all it took. And, and that's why it's like, for me, someone who's worked so hard and not as smart, I get I get frustrated by that sometimes. <laughs> no, it's true. Yeah. I, I, no, it's true. It's true. I've also benefited from it. You know, mm-hmm. I've benefited from it and it's not benefited me. You know what I'm saying? So, um, but I always feel like I work the hardest. So I feel like I'm always the best for it. But it's like, it's 2021. You got to update your way of thinking. You know, yeah. you can't be so secluded in one way of thinking because there's a thousand different ways to slice to, to slice the pie. So I'm so glad you shared it. Cause for me, I, I, when I was working with MSG, I was in corporate partnerships and mm-hmm. through walking with the client and his daughter, he saw I was just, I'm good with kids. And through that, he's like, yo, it's like, you working after this? Like you got a job after this? I was like, nah. And mm-hmm. he was like, yo, send me, send me an email in a couple months when you're done. And I got something for you. And then, um, Funny enough, I got the interview and then the VP of human resources told me I was overqualified. So <laughs> you're like, thanks. <laughs> but no, that's that's real though, because it's like um you never know who's watching, honestly. You never know who's watching and paying attention to you. You can be in your own world thinking that you're the only person that's really caring about what you're doing. And there's there could be other people around you that's sitting back and taking notes and it could be for your better. It could be for your worse. You just honestly never know. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that's also why it's important to, to share your goals and to share mm-hmm. your projects, whether it could be good or bad, because people love like in America, right? People love a good, bad, good story or a mm-hmm. bad, a good story. Yeah. So it's okay to share the good and the bad because mm-hmm. people like it all. And like you said, yeah watch the progress people watch the growth of it so it's like with this you know people from episode one where i had mockingbirds and whole bunch of mm-hmm. i was filming i literally filmed my first episode um for the national championship game and uh mm-hmm. it was in miami and i was on uh south beach i was interviewing my professor there's a flock of birds <laughs> That's funny, bye. Back, mm-hmm. you know and then now we're getting to here where i have a beautiful green screen, you know, yeah. we can have a, due to technology, we can have an updated conversation through Zoom, it records mm-hmm. on itself, it blocks out the extra noise, so people love to see the progress and growth, so sometimes, well, not sometimes, if you're in the service industry, if you're in the products industry, if you're just trying to make some headway, uh, whether it's, it doesn't have to be on, on um, Instagram, it could be on LinkedIn, it's okay to share, I wish I would I would have posted like, yo, I graduated. I, I did this. I did that. Mm-hmm. Now, to me, I don't really care about it. 
but yeah. others value it. <laughs> and, yeah. And you know, it's crazy, and, but I just didn't value it. But I always, it was funny. I always say like, I, I thought about it recently. It's like, even though we can't really worry about others' opinions, other people are the people who validate you. <laughs> you know, yeah. kind of like in sports, you might think Saquon is the MVP. The players might even think it, but it's the writers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is true. You know, this is very true. So it, it's, it's crazy how life is like that, where like you got to make your own choices, but you also got to kind of be mindful of others. Mm-hmm. Because it's the others, like when you make a billion dollar company, it's not you. It's at that point who really made you the billions. Yeah. You're just the one who had the vision and the idea, and you, or you're the first one to enact it. But it's the sales force, it's the CFO, it's, you know, it's the others that really make it what it is. It's the engineers mm-hmm. with the algorithms to make social media so addicting. It's those people who really made you the billions. You're just the one who slapped your name on it and you get the most credit. So yeah. it's crazy how, 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 life is, how life is so cyclical and it, full circle and your story is a bunch of just full circles. <laughs> I know. I'm still waiting for the corporate partnership thing to kind of make it. I'm really interested because I'm a very like, I'm a positive person. I pay attention to signs and I'm like, I'm sure that'll end up coming full circle somehow. I just don't know when, but I'm excited whenever it does. Cause so yeah. from coordinator at corporate partnerships, how do you get to become Miss ESPN? <laughs> it's so funny because I really like that title, but I'm like, stop. Don't yeah, call yeah. That. No, it's okay. It's okay. No, you know what? You know what? I wish I would have embraced when I was in certain positions more. It's okay. Embrace it. Own it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> it's, it. it's, I will say it is hard. Like, okay, well, let me first talk about how I got here mm-hmm. so if you want the straight up honest answer I wasn't happy at corporate partnerships with UCF athletics I just wasn't happy there um professionally and personally I think I was just over Orlando too what was the biggest challenge before you continue the adjustment to corporate life for me you know it was just dealing with um it it was just like the like work atmosphere like normal stuff that people in an office have like I'm literally thinking of like the show the office like you have different personalities and that's your everyday life like having to deal with that transition for me was it was pretty hard so I knew after a year of being there that it wasn't something that I wanted to keep on doing long term so I would just some days apply for other jobs, <laughs> which is not the best thing to do. I do not recommend applying for other jobs while you were at work, but the Wi-Fi was jumping and it was very easy for me to, <laughs> for me y'all, have to look. y'all had the exclusive 5G a couple years ago. Yeah. I'm telling you, we had that stadium Wi-Fi. So um Hello, we were Spectrum Stadium, like, so. (laughs) Full circles. (laughs) Yeah. So I just remember it was one day where I was just like, all right, like, I know it's one of those days. 
So I saw the ESPN position and back when I was in college, I was a part of NABJ, which is the National, National Association of Black Journalists. And I went to a conference in 2017. It was in New Orleans and I met so many, like so many different black people who are in the same industry as myself and are places that I want to be. Ended up networking with a few different people, kept in contact. And when I saw the ESPN position open, that's when I reached out to my ESPN contacts that I had met at NABJ. And sure enough, um, he was super supportive. He's my friend Deontay. He was super supportive. And he was like, yeah, um, the recruiter for this position also went to NABJ. You might have met her before. And she's really like focused on like supporting us. So he's like, I'm gonna send you, send her your resume and tell her that you applied for the position. So I said, thank you. This was more than I even asked for. I was just nervous and kind of venting to you that I applied, you know? Um, so maybe about, Two hours later, she looked at my LinkedIn. I remember seeing that that notification, and I was like, "Oh my god, oh my god, I'm being watched! I'm being watched!" <laughs> so like, I was excited. And then I would say like two weeks later was when I she reached out to me, and we set up an interview. And then from there, it was about two weeks of just straight interviews and me having to like disappear <laughs> for an hour or two during my lunch break and the whole time I'm literally like suited up preparing for an interview during my lunch breaks like that's that's the kind of determination that I knew I was like I have to like this is a game changer and I was like I cannot let this opportunity slip because back in 2017 I will tell this story every day if I could back in 2017 I had interview I had like an interview session with a bunch of ESPN employees and I blew it I had a panic attack I just wasn't on it it they made it very uncomfortable because they made you interview with like five other people who had resumes that were twice the length of mine and I'm just sitting here with like you know internships like yeah I you know take well, this was actually before my internships. So I really had nothing to show for it besides like my high school work and just like, I'm a good worker. And I had, I was comparing myself to people that gave me anxiety. I had a panic attack and I just completely dropped the ball. And I remember calling my mom crying and I'm like, I'm never going to be at ESPN because I suck and they hated me and I was terrible. And literally one of the people that I met there saw enough potential in me to say, we're gonna, you know, we're, we're, gonna, we're gonna try her out. Here we are two, what was it, two years later. So um, I knew I didn't wanna drop the ball. I prepared myself, I'm telling you like notes, notes to prepare for an, like, for an interview that you really care about is like key. I was going up and through the ESPN page seeing all their top headlines, all their top stories. I need to know, I need to make sure that if they question me about anything in sports, I can answer it confidently. And they know that I'm not just a girl who wants to work in sports. I'm a woman who knows sports. So 
I made that very clear. Um, a lot of the qualities like using Photoshop and using Adobe Premiere were things that I had strengthened myself with because one, I started my own YouTube channel called Game Day with Tatiana, where I filmed my game day experience because of how much I enjoyed it at Orlando City. I said, yeah, I need to put this on film. So I started recording myself. I started editing my own videos. Now I'm a pro in Adobe Premiere Pro. And then I'm doing all these different examples and mock drafts for my sales associates. So now I have a background on Adobe Photoshop. Two key things when you wanna work as a production assistant at ESPN. So during the interview process, I wanna say I interviewed with 10 different people and over a span of how many days about a week a week and a half damn 10 people so yes yeah, so they yeah they would have me back to back they'd be like all right we're gonna hang up this person's gonna call you i'm like okay cool and scene hey <laughs> um and then i was one of the last people they hired for our cohort so they were already like rushing as it was because they were finishing up all of their paperwork and stuff so I was one of the last ones to basically just sneak in there and I remember my I found out the day before Thanksgiving so I was super stoked so I got to go home tell my family you ate great and, day. <laughs> yeah and then they were like yeah so we need you here by January 1st and I was like, great, it's the end of November going on December. And I have 30 days now to uproot my life. And I did it. And let me ask you a question, because you mentioned the National Association of Black Journalists. That's an mm -hmm. association you joined while at UCF? Yeah. Yeah. That's another hidden gem. Mm -hmm. Joining clubs and associations while yeah. in college. That. Yeah is something I wish I took advantage of. I joined a fraternity for the same networking reasons, but yeah. association in a club, that is a game changer. Because like you said, they brought you to a conference and that conference brought connections and then those mm -hmm. connections turned into currency. <laughs> so, you know, what's actually crazy. I think everything's crazy, by the way. Because <laughs> um, so, it is. But so when I first got to UCF, the chapter, the UCF chapter was basically crumbling. Like the person who was in charge of it was a senior already graduating. So my sophomore, with my sophomore year, there was no Association of Black Journalists chapter at UCF. Me and Barmel and like one other girl literally fought like to bring that chapter back to life at UCF. We are the ones who made all of us paid members like signing up online. We paid for our own dues to go to the conference, which was not cheap, not cheap at all. Like I said, financial sacrifice. Um, we flew ourselves out there, got our own hotel, you know, made ourselves know like we had UCF chapter NABJ on our badges there, you know, like I made, you know, the little poster boards going to the union, trying to get people to sign up to the club, like all that kind of stuff. Like we literally built that foundation back up because we knew how vital it was and how it was benefiting other people outside of UCF. So, but, but yeah, it's, 
whoever is whoever's gonna be there holding it down i don't know who it is now but just please no <laughs> but I, I like i said that's why i really wanted you on because being a fellow person in the sports and entertainment profession you know i knew what it takes to work with the best of the best but I love you sharing your story of what it took to work with the best of the best and show that, yo, it really is very competitive and you have to be very strategic if you think you want to work with the best of the best. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I love you sharing that it's not all glitz and glamor. Like you see on Instagram, you know, the me sitting courtside or me field side or me in the booth, but you didn't know it took me restoring a chapter and mm -hmm. paying home dues and holding out signs at in college, getting rejected by hundreds of people every single day mm -hmm. and putting myself out there to meet connections, failing a couple of times for it to all pay out in the end. So like for me, like I said, I learned something today of, you know, how intentional and how early and how important, how crucial like networking is. Cause I had a question about networking, but you kept explaining it throughout your journey of like networking and being present in the moment and taking advantage of the moment. And mm -hmm. since I'm happy, I can take advantage of the moment because this is what I really want. And if it's something that you really want, also know that it comes with things and responsibilities that you don't really want, <laughs> you know? For sure. Um, like, I didn't, you don't want to not be paid. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? And you feel like you're giving so much value and you are bringing so much value. But the fact that this opportunity is so lucrative, it can leverage not paying you, which is, mm -hmm. which is BS. But it is what it is but I'm glad you're sharing the BS and I'm glad you're sharing that if you're comfortable with the BS and if you realize how to get out of the BS or make the most out of the BS, it can get you uh, a real job. It can get you a real opportunity. So I want to ask you uh, a little bit more about ESPN. Like what was a question or two that when you answered it, you were like, damn, that that studying that prepared that preparedness got me right yeah that got me right yeah that that symmetry moment right where I'm like yeah me me thinking about this last night is really paying off right now mm -hmm. um it was when they asked me they're like can you name three top stories that's going on in baseball right now in basketball and in football and in my notes I had five top stories they asked me about my favorite teams. I know my favorite teams, but I just wanted to make sure I knew my favorite teams. So I would go on my team's pages, make sure I'm up to date with the roster, make sure I'm up to date with our headlines. Cause that was another question. You're a Giants fan. What's been going on with the Giants lately? I'm like, boy, let me tell you about Saquon's injury. <laughs> you know, like, um, yeah, I also did research on who I was interviewing with. Like one of my interviewers, I saw that on his ESPN bio, he was a huge Yankees fan. Cool. Well, you can be damn sure I'm talking about the Yankees now. So um, 
you know, I, like I said, like I did my, I did my research, I prepared and whenever it came time to perform, I felt confident. And I think that's the most important thing you can have going into an interview is just your confidence. So. Okay. And then you're a production assistant now. Mm-hmm. Talk about the roles and responsibilities. And can you talk about a couple cool projects that you are proud of since your time there? Yeah, for sure. So um, it kind of changes um, per show, like what your requirements and responsibilities are. But throughout the past year and a half now, I would say it's ranged anywhere from making highlights. So like, you know, when you're turning on SportsCenter or you're turning on NFL Live and you see highlights from a previous game, um, it would be people in my position that put together and cut those highlights. Um, Then also you have things just as far as like being creative, helping come up with different topics for the show. My first seven months I worked on first take. So, and mind you, that's when sports had disappeared. So for those good five months, we're trying to figure out different content, different ways we can basically talk about LeBron and Dak Prescott, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah, what, what's up with that? What's up with that? Why, why is it that first take is it like skip left? Like, why is it that first take is three revolving headlines? The Cowboys, LeBron, hate, LeBron. And, and Tom Brady. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, well, I think not having live sports played a huge role into that this year, but I know that's always just kind of been like, definitely like one of those ESPN jokes where it's like, yeah, it's LeBron center, not sports center, you know? Um, I think that there is definitely some, you know, like it's that stardom, it's, it's money, um, I would say like any chance that Stephen A. Smith, like if you get a reaction on Stephen A. Smith talking about LeBron versus him talking about Iman Shumpert, like it's, it's a way different reaction you're going to get from him. So it's like, we're also creating the content that we know that analysts and that, um, people want to talk about. So like <clears throat> if, the, if Stephen A. Smith and everybody else is prepared to only talk about Dak Prescott and prepared to talk about just the top things because they have so much other stuff going on, that's what we're going to talk about. We're not going to just sit there and blindside our analysts and be like, listen, I know you guys never, ever talk about the Jets offense, but today the whole show is about the Jets offense. Good luck, you know? So it, it definitely, that plays into a part. And then it's we we try and follow what the fans want and the most popular person is going to be what we're going to gear towards okay. nine 99% of the time <laughs> Texas and Dallas is like the number one the number one market that watches do, do you all do that in in your pre-production talks do you look at oh this market this market and this market watches us the most mm-hmm. That's I'm why. sure there are people who are. I personally don't. I don't know. I don't think anybody on my team does, but I think that would be more so of like ESPN marketing and people who are based out of New York. Um, they do like all like the data analytics and stuff like that. The programmers, people who actually 
order the live sports that we show? And is this game going to be on ESPN too? How can we get more WNBA on ESPN platforms? How do we get more softball, more other sports that's showing women's sports? Like all the, that, that's the job of like a programmer and um, those data people and stuff like that. I'm more so the final steps right before it gets on TV. Ah, okay. And then yeah. talked about first take. Was there any more memorable projects that you've had a chance to create or be a part of that that you like? Yeah. So with first take, I would say my favorite. This is when both of my worlds collided. Was when and it, it was like what like a month after I had been on the show, and we had Meg The Stallion as a guest. And you would think, what does Meg the Stallion have to do with sports? Hello, it was me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I, it wasn't my idea, but I was definitely like, this is lit. Like, this is my favorite episode. This is my favorite day on first take ever, like Meg the Stallion. Um, so when I found out, when they told us, and mind you, we find this information out maybe a day before, like there's not much prep time, whatever, but they were like, yeah, tomorrow we're having Meg the Stallion on the show. I'm like what? We're having who? They're like, Meg the Stallion, she's, you know, I guess some rapper. You guess some rapper? So I was like, let me take the reins. So um, all like the video elements and stuff like that, that we used on the show, I put together. And then like questions and stuff. They were like, well, do you have questions for her? I'm like, hell yeah, I have questions for her. Ask her about this. So I'm putting like, so I'm hyped because I'm helping like write the questions for them to ask her and I remember she she gets on there and I'm just like like watching it all like oh my god this is literally my life colliding right now because I love Meg and um Steve A. Smith is just going off the rail and asking whatever questions he wants and I'm just looking at him and I'm like bro stick to the script stop asking her random questions and sure enough, they asked her a question that she didn't know the answer to. And it kind of ended up being a little bit embarrassing for her, I will say. But they asked her like about the Houston Rockets head coach and she didn't know who the head coach was. And in my head, I'm just like, well, if you said to the script, maybe we wouldn't have been here. But all in all, I'm still looking at the experience like I learned something valuable. I learned that TV is TV and sometimes you will be disappointed in knowing that like what you wanted to happen didn't exactly happen. So I had to get over that. And then I was also like, but this is still a crazy moment. Like all my friends that know that I just got to ESPN are like, hmm, I wonder how all of a sudden Meg the Stallion is there. And I'm like, it wasn't me, but you know, I'll take the credit. <laughs> so that was really fun. So okay, I was trying to I was trying to throw you to Alley, but you didn't want to dunk it. You dunked it, but you didn't want to like you didn't want to DeAndre Jordan it. I was trying to oh. to brag about your spot with my fantasy god, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, okay, look at me. Business? I'm so humble. I'm so <laughs> humble. Like <laughs> talk, about um, talk about how that came about and 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 your involvement in it. Yeah, so fantasy god. It started, I joined the show, the fantasy football show in August when the season started and my role as production assistant was just like, you know, be there on film days, help with all the pre-production setup, post-production breakdown, all that kind of stuff. And my producer told me straight up, he was like, listen, 
we use puppets. We get crazy on the show. You, you might be asked to do something. Are you comfortable being on camera? I'm like, yes, fine. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, it's yes. cool. I guess I could just, I mean, sure, if you really need me. So, um, so yeah, so I remember I had to take some time away from the show because my grandma had passed. And, you know, like that was, that was hard for me because like I was kind of in the process of finding out while I was at work. So, you know, they firsthand saw a lot of emotion come from me. And um, I think it's, I think it's important to have genuine coworkers as well. So when I returned from the show, um, they were just, you know, making sure I was okay. And then like, it was like maybe a month later where they had opened up a new character on the show called the fantasy God. And they knew they wanted it to be a woman voice. And there were only two women on our show. And um, the other girl had been there for maybe about like a year or two before me. So they asked us both to try out for the part and just basically like, here's the script, just record yourself saying this and send it in. So of course I record myself like 80 billion times. So <laughs> don't get it twisted. <laughs> exactly. Don't get it twisted. So, so yeah, so I send it in and then later that day they were like, okay, cool. Like we're going to go with Tatiana. And I was just like, okay, wow. Okay, wow. I'm going to have my own character. And um, it started off as an, anim 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 as an animation, but it kind of also was like looking too similar to the gazoo, which is like the trademark for it. So they eventually, towards the end of the season, they had already told me they wanted to move my character on camera, like maybe two months prior to actually happening. So that whole entire time, I'm just like trying to make sure I'm ready. I'm like, I gotta make sure my hair is done all the time because I never know when they're gonna be like, all right, Tatiana, the day is here. So um, the day finally came and I was able to like play my character out as me, as a black woman you know, as the fantasy god of football, like pretty, pretty fun stuff. And I really enjoyed it. It's up and it's stuck. Where is? Yeah. Uh, and then like, what, where do you see yourself? Like, where do you see your, your journey with ESPN going? Where, where do you want to be now that you've had a year and kind of, you've pretty much shadowed most of the opportunities that are available at ESPN? Do you want to be the next or your version of Maria Taylor? Um, mm -hmm. Do you want to be Jones or do you want to do mm -hmm. behind the scenes exec work? What do you think mm -hmm. you're thinking towards as far as your, your journey? Well, one, I'm really happy that you said like my version because I think that's one of the things that like I struggle with right now, especially like with my family and just I feel like society in general um, tries to kind of like paint this picture of who you should be looking up towards. And I think I look up to so many different women um, going like on another project that I did, like I helped highlight different black women um, for like that people look up to. Uh, that was something I did for ESPN as well. But I look, I look up to a lot of different women and Marie Taylor is one of them, Carrie Champion's another, Kimberly Jones, um, but I also do look up to women like Meg Thee Stallion and people, women who are 
more comfortable with saying like, yeah, I'm this and I'm that and you're going to take it or like it. So for me, I don't know what my version of my end goal is because I haven't seen it done before, honestly. Um, I think with ESPN, my journey here is my goal. Fantasy season is coming back around um, in August. I'm already working with the show, doing a few off episodes, like draft day is obviously tomorrow. So we have an episode coming out next week. So I'm still keeping that relationship with them. I'm sure if the opportunity came to still be the fantasy God again next season, I'm sure they would love to have me back, which is important. Um, Probably some other characters and stuff like that I can do that we've talked about. So I only really know short-term where ESPN is for me, but as far as long-term, I see myself really just owning into my own brand and making that my bread and butter. Like my YouTube channel that I talked about a little bit previously before, like going to different games and interviewing fans and checking out the local foods in the area, checking out, you know, um, just what makes that game so special. These are things that I still want to do because I'm passionate when I'm doing it. So figuring out how to monetize on that and still be myself and not feel like, oh my God, I have to do the same things that Maria Taylor does, or I have to wear the same dresses and stuff that Robin Roberts wears on Good Morning America. Like, I'm not that girl, I'm me. So it's just, it long, like short answer, I'm just looking to do what makes me happy. But right now I feel like ESPN is a, is a good place for me. I think based on what you said and what your experiences are, that's it. It's it's you're in a beautiful spot because you're you're creating something. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And the fact that you don't see no one doing what you ultimately want to do means that you definitely need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Everyone likes original. Everyone. That's what. That's what makes things great and being original doesn't mean you have to reinvent anything being original in my opinion just means you have to just go a hundred percent lean into who you already are yeah that's that's originality to me because everything we've all been thinking about has been done yeah but just no one has done it the way I want to do it or the yeah. way you want to do it. The way Tati wants to do her ESPN, her her brand, no one's done it that way. And that's original. You know, yeah. not that you're you're talking about the same thing everyone's talked about. You, you you're talking about food, talking about sports, talking about people. We've all done that. Mm-hmm. The way you want to do it, it's the way you see it. That's the originality, and that's the part that we all have to lean in to doing if you really want success and whatever you want to do. You know, because mm-hmm. we all have original thoughts and ideas is, like you said, it's the corporate world constricting it. Yep. Uh, or it's an opportunity where you don't have the opportunity to show it, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? So I definitely think you should definitely lean into to your brand because your brand is special. Your brand is unique. Your brand is, yeah. unique, you know? So what other passion projects or side hustles do you got? As of right now... 
I really have just been really focused on work and ESPN. Like I do work a lot of long hours. Um, I'm in, I'm in the soccer department right now. So we're just MLS season just started. We are very, very focused with soccer right now. So I haven't really had a chance to really focus on too many outside projects, but um, working for black, like working with black history month with our company has been great because I was able to highlight black women figures that are important. Um, I have been helping run the trivia questions that we post on our ESPN next page every Tuesday. Um, it's about black history and just different facts and stuff. You probably wouldn't know, um, about, you know, where, where we come from and who we are. So, ESPN has been very forward with pushing our Black History Always initiative, and I'm happy to help push that as well. Um, I'm hoping to get something done for Mother's Day in time, and that will be like my next uh, my next project, I would say, other than just all in on soccer. Awesome. And then I would love for you to give some words or action steps for a young lady who is in high school or in college or just a young adult and they're looking to to regroup and mm -hmm. and start anew and and get on the right track you know because mm -hmm. you've done you've been able to successfully do that multiple times and reinvent reinvent yourself multiple times so i would love for you to give some action steps some words of encouragement on how that person who high school, college, or just a young adult, how they can regroup, reassess, and take off. Yeah, so I would say the most important thing is just knowing who you are and being true to yourself. Like keeping people around you that keep you grounded. Like I love my circle because that simple fact that they keep me grounded whenever I'm stressing out about things I can't control or I'm kind of just <clears throat> floating in society, just letting everyone else's opinions kind of control me. You really have to have people around you that are like, that keep you grounded and help you refocus on like who you are and what you want. Once you realize what you want, you can kind of figure out what steps to take from there. I have young women that reach out to me actually pretty often now that I'm at ESPN and they're always asking me like, hey, I'm in college and I want to be in sports. Can I just have a few words with you and talk to you about your position? Who's going to say no to that? Sure, of course. Like, know, know what you're getting yourself into before you just dive in that's going to help you be prepared. And then it's going to help you decide if it's actually what you want. Cause I remember talking to other mentors and stuff like that, that have great jobs at ESPN. And I'm like, yeah, no, I don't think I necessarily want to do that, but I would have never known that until I had that conversation. So knowing what you want to do and then taking the steps that it takes to get there, whether it's preparation, whether it's making relationships um, or just doing more research, and then from there, it's all about risk versus reward. How bad do you want it? And how much are you willing to sacrifice for it? Throughout my whole entire life, I've made sacrifices for my career, relationships, social life, like money, 
all that time. I've sacrificed it my whole entire life because that's what I, this is what I want to do. So just know that you are going to have to make sacrifices and take those risks in order to be where you want to be, but it'll be worth it because it's for you. So sacrifices. And then once you're there, go with the flow. Like you never really know what's going to happen. You never really know if that person you met is going to be the same person you're interviewing with two years later. You never know if that person that you were nice to is going to be the reason why you have an interview in the first place. Just go with the flow, be open to whatever could come next, be open to being a puppet on a show or animation that can turn into your own character. Like just have an open mind and be ready for whatever can come at you.